So uh, I started a new series this morning. I love the title of Freedom or the Price of Freedom. Uh, what, what, what a great uh, image that there, there has been a price that has been paid for our uh, freedom. I shared uh, this morning one, one of my favorite movies. Uh, if you've been around, you've heard me say uh, probably the number one movie is maybe Braveheart, you know. And there's one particular scene in Braveheart. I don't know if you, you guys have seen that, but there, there's one scene. It's about, about a freedom fighter by the name of William Wallace who is fighting for Scotland's sovereignty and their independence, and, and they're fighting against England. And, and England's army is huge. It's you know, a world empire. Um, and, and Wallace has been captured, and Wallace is now being publicly uh, tortured and, and his final execution, very, very public before uh, a despising English crowd. Uh, they're, they're throwing stuff at him. They're jeering. They're, they're, they're cheering his, 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 his punishment. He's being strung up. Uh, his hands and his feet are, are being pulled. His neck is being just about pulled out of his body, right? And, and this is the torture that's beginning. And then the executioner shows him a table with all of these tools, weapons that are going to be used to disembowel him. Now, th- that's not a pretty sight. And uh, the executioner says, all this can stop. Your death can be swift and quick if you but just simply beg for mercy. As an example of those who would rebel against the crown, just beg for mercy and it'll all be over. And of course, Wallace is silent and and he stays strong. And then the process begins of disemboweling him. And now the crowd that was once against him is now merciful or, or just moved by, by the sight of the suffering. He's, he's gasping for air. He's, he's choking and he's, he's, he's trying to speak. And the executioner says, yes, yes, come, just, just mercy, just say mercy. And then with every ounce that's within him, he lifts up a shout that is heard in the very king's palace. And that word, that one word was freedom. Because freedom is that important. Something about freedom in the human spirit that, well, hey, if you're an American history buff like I was, you know Patrick Henry made this great statement that inspired a revolution. Give me liberty, he said, or give me death. Because in some cases, it's better to die than to be, to be enslaved. I, I can't help but draw a comparison, a, a, an allegory between that film, Braveheart, and not a not not a bench that was shaped like a cross, but an actual cross upon which the Son of God was sacrificed, where Jesus refused to to plead for mercy, where Jesus refused to drink the mixture of of wine mixed with a sedative to dull the pain, and when he from the cross shouted that one word, which which takes three words in English to to transcribe, it is finished. The executioner who was in charge of the execution, after having witnessed the the earthquake and having heard what Jesus said and having heard his words of forgiveness and and, and the three hours of blackness of of which the son refused to sign, he made this statement. He said, surely this was the son of God. Because freedom is that important. Jesus purchased our freedom. And so my, my goal over the next several weeks, if you'd like to listen to the podcast or join us on Sunday morning, that'd be awesome. 
uh, is to talk about some of the freedoms that have been purchased for us by Christ. Every one can be traced back to the cross, to the, to the infinite price, the, the, the penalty of bearing our sin for us. That price could only be paid by one person, one perfect person, and that was the blood, the life that was poured out for us. Paul emphatically said it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Jesus' own words, he said, whom the Son shall make free will be free indeed. That is truly free. Even people that are unfamiliar with the Bible know how to quote the the following verse. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. In his commencement of his ministry, when Jesus started, he quoted from the scroll of Isaiah, which summed up his mission and his life's mission mission was was simply this to open prison doors and to release captives to set the captives free because freedom is just that important and so over the next several weeks i'm going to be looking at some of these amazing gifts that have been given to us of freedom i spoke a couple of weeks ago to a young man who had spent about three weeks maybe four weeks in county jail lockup and uh we spoke about uh what it's like to be, to be in prison. And uh, he's in danger right now, and over the next number of years, he's, he's in danger of being sent back to prison if he breaks a probation violation. And that thought scares the heck out of him. Listen, living in a uh, six-by-eight cell, having somebody tell you when to eat, what to eat, and when to shower and when to sleep uh, is not a pretty thing. It's one of those things, freedom is one of those things that you, you kind of take for granted until your freedom is taken away from you. And then, at, at that moment, the, the light goes on, your eyes are open, and you realize just how valuable, just how cost, there's nothing more costly than a person's freedom. So I want you to imagine that with me tonight. There's a, a scene in another movie, probably uh, you've seen that. Uh, it's called The Matrix. And in this, other than just a handful of freedom fighters, the, the whole civilization of humanity was, was oblivious to the fact that they were living in a virtual reality, that they were really slaves of the matrix. They were being harvested for their energy and, and uh, living a, a lie of, of deception and, and uh, illusion. You know, the New Testament writers, Paul and, and John, draw back the veil on the human race, and John talks about the whole world being in the embrace or being rocked in the cradle of the wicked one. Paul says that the God of this world has blinded the minds of those that believe not, lest they should see the glorious gospel and be saved. There is a, a, a delusion, a, a deception that has deceived the whole world. And into this matrix, this very real matrix, Jesus Christ has come to set us free. Tonight, I want, I want to talk to you about being set free from fear. Being set free from fear. One of the, the great freedoms that Jesus Christ has come to, to do is to liberate us from the bondage of fear. The apostle Peter said that Jesus went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. One of the weapons that Satan uses against us very successfully, I might add, is if we yield to or give place to a spirit of fear. Somebody said that Satan was having a 
a fire sale. He was, he was getting rid of his old devices and his old tools and his old weapons, and he was, he was wanting to kind of reboot and, and, and just kind of uh, update his, his weapons against the new generation of believers. So he was selling off his old stuff, but there was, there was one weapon that absolutely was marked not for sale, no pr- under any price, not for sale. And you guessed it, it was, it was fear. Because, let's face it, fear has been a successful weapon against so many who have fallen. Fear is the first emotion that was experienced by Adam and Eve when they, their eyes were open and they ran and they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. That, that was the consequence of their disobedience. There's a thing such as, as, as sinful fear, slavish, sinful fear. And obviously, there's the good kind of fear. There's the kind of fear that, that tells us we're coming too close to the edge of a building and, and be careful, or, or we're driving too fast in the rain and you better slow down, you know? Uh, there's the, the fear of the Lord, the Bible says, which is the beginning of wisdom, which, is, which has all kinds of benefits for those who revere the Lord, who have this healthy, honest respect for God. And this reverence for God. And, and, you know, one of the blessings is that the angel of the Lord, God's angels, encircle us or surround us to, to protect us. But, you know, there are, there are other kinds of fears and, and, and numerous kinds of phobias. In fact, if you do a Google search, you, you will discover that there are hundreds and hundreds of various kinds of phobias that, that people get themselves, you know, kind of locked into and, and one of them is, is claustrophobia. Probably you're more familiar with that. C- claustrophobia is the, you know, it's like somebody who refuses to go into an elevator. They'll walk up the stairs rather than get into an elevator. Uh, it's it's the, the fear of, of closed quarters, you know, or tight spaces. When my daughter Kelly uh, was a little girl, she was injured, and uh, we had to take her to the ER, and she needed stitches, and we got a plastic surgeon, and uh, in order to stitch her up because she was just, you know, like all over the place, they, they put her in a constraint and uh, held her arms and, and, and her legs together so that the surgeon could stitch her up. And she was really kind of traumatized by that experience. Not so much by the stitches, but by the restraint that, that, that took place. And, and to this day, listen, if you, if you try to grab Kelly's arms, you know, if you try to hold her like in a bear hug or something like that, and, you know, she, she may knock you out. I'm serious. Listen, mom and dad called her Broadzilla for a reason. It's true. As pretty, as beautiful as she is, you know, you don't want to mess with her. In fact, uh, one of the other uh, phobias you probably know about is arachnophobia. It's the fear of spiders, right? Uh, the other day I was walking in the patio after I put some chemicals in the pool and I was walking back into the house and I walked into a spider's web. And, and I'm not exaggerating. The spider must have been about yay big. You know, and the web was, was beautiful. It was amazing, you know. But, you know, I, I got to kill that sucker, you know. I don't want him to get around. But listen, that would have scared the willy out of anybody. And speaking of willy, my, my son Will... Yeah, in fact, I told him today, I mentioned, I mentioned him in church. Said, oh, yeah, Dad, you talked about me? Yeah, I said, yeah, you're not going to like what I said. But uh, when Will found a spider in the house, he called Kelly. You know, <laughs> Kelly, come over, kill a spider, you know. And Kelly kills snakes, she kills spiders, you know. And I'm telling you, we called the Brazilla for a reason. 
But, you know, a funny thing happened. The, the, the Jansons, right, last week they were uh, on vacation. They, they began their vacation. And four, out, four hours into their vacation, Landon, my, my grandson loves to jump. He's constantly jumping on my couch. I tell him, Landon, don't jump. Landon, don't jump. Well, he, he was jumping from bed to bed. He, he struck his, sh- his shin bone against the, the metal frame of the bed in the house that they were staying, split it right open, had to, had to go to the emergency room. So there they are, four hours into their vacation in the emergency room, and he needs stitches. Took about 10 stitches in total. And the doctor says, we've got to put him in a restraint. And Kelly said, ain't going to happen. She says, I'll hold him. And he said, he said, Mama, I'll be all right if you hold me and you sing to me. And she started singing, oh, no. He never lets go through the calm and through the storm. He'll never let go of me. And you know what? The doctor was blown away by this little kid who was just calm while he's getting stitched up. Uh, there are other kind of phobias. I tell you, some of them I can't even pronounce. That I found out that there's a fear of being bald. I'm sorry. <laughs> For, for those of you who are hailers, you know. And by the way, let's just keep this between us. We don't have to mention this to Doug. He's not going to want to listen to the podcast anyway. I know him, you know. But, you know, I also found out that, that there, there are people who, are, who have the fear of hairy men. <laughs> yeah. I, I got hair, but I'm old, so, you know. Listen, listen, there are people, maybe it's a different kind of fear. The first time they see a gray hair in the mirror, you know, and they kind of freak out a little bit. But, but that's not the kind of phobias and the kind of fear that, that, that I'm talking about. Um, the kind of fear I'm talking about is, is the stuff that really is more rational stuff that we really deal with. You know, like stuff about the future, stuff about health issues for, for ourselves or, or for people that we love. You know, uh, financial issues that come up that cause us to be stressed or to, to begin to worry. I, I love what the Apostle Paul, Paul, Paul as a spiritual father, writing to his son Timothy, who was a, a missionary and a young pastor. Paul says, Timothy, I want you to know this because I, I know that you're struggling with anxiety and timidity and fear right now, but, but, but it's more than, listen, it's more than a message to, to Timothy, it's a message to us as well. And listen, listen to what Paul said. For God did not give us, I'm so grateful that he said us. I'm so grateful that Paul didn't say, for God did not give you, Timothy, a spirit of fear, but God did not give us a spirit of fear, but one of power, one of love, and of a sound mind or a disciplined mind. That's the spirit that God gave to us In response to fear, God doesn't want us to be oppressed. He doesn't want us to live a life of terror because fear has torment. A few years ago, I actually did a a volunteer study for my son who does MRIs and and, and, uh, who works in that field. And he said, Dad, would would you like to volunteer? We're doing this cardiac uh, study and, you know, we're looking for volunteers. I said, all right, sure, you know, I'll do it. And uh, they, found, they found a quarter-size growth uh, on one of my lungs. And uh, it shouldn't be there. So the radiologist kind of freaked out and said, you know, you really need to see a pulmonary specialist and find out what's going on. 
you know, and uh, so I did. I, I saw this specialist in Nassau County, one of the top doctors uh, in that area. And uh, he said, look, he says, if it was me, I, I just, I, I'd have it taken out. It's, it, it, sh- it shouldn't be there. We can't biopsy. It's in a bad spot. Uh, I, I would just go ahead and take it out. But, but with it comes half your lung. And uh, it takes about six months to recover from an operation like that. So I said, is there, is there a choice B, you know? Uh, can, I get a, can I get a second opinion? I actually went over here in Stony Brook. Uh, they just built, a couple of years ago, they just built this cancer building, you know? And uh, got a, a really uh, good doctor by the name of Belfinger. Belfinger, what kind of name is Belfinger? I thought it was in a Bond movie for a minute, you know? <laughs> Belfinger, you know? <laughs> you know? But the guy was really cool, and, and, and he said, you know what? He said, he said taking, out your, taking out half your lung is an option. He says, if you want to do that. He says, or, or, or if you want to wait, we could, we could take another CT scan in six months, and, and if it hasn't changed, then, then, then we'll, we'll do another CT scan in another six months, and we'll do that for, for a couple of years. And if, it, and if there is no change, then we'll just leave it, leave it alone. You probably, you know, it's probably nothing. You know? So I said, I like that plan. I said, let's, let's pray. And my wife and my kids and, and the church, we, we, we pray. But I have to be honest with you. I, I, I could say for the most part, you know, I, I knew it was going to be all right. But, but did, you ever, did you ever read Psalm 91 where Moses says that there's such a thing called the terror that stalks by night? You know, the, the night stalker, you know. There's a certain kind of terror that happens only in the cover of darkness. It's, it has no power in the daylight. But for some reason at night, for some reason when either you can't sleep or you are awakened from sleep, it's the first thought that's on your mind. And then your mind begins to, to imagine stuff. And you begin to, you begin to think. And, and, and all of a sudden you, you, you're saying to yourself, I think my breathing is a little different. And then, and then you think, I think I could hear something in my chest. And you know it's your imagination. And, and it's at, at a point like that when, when you need to pull out everything you know about God and everything you know about his word and begin to, begin to quote scripture to yourself. I quoted Psalm 3 to myself where David said, I laid me down and slept for the Lord sustained me. Well, in the midst of all of his enemies, David could go to sleep because God was the one who sustained him. He gives his beloved sleep. I remember falling asleep to promises like that. I remember saying to myself, I will not fear. In time I am afraid, I will not. I choose not to be afraid. I choose rather to think on things that are good and lovely and honest and of a good report. And then we have this promise. When we, when we begin to shape our thoughts, God says, when you do that, then the peace of God that is supernatural, that's, that surpasses understanding, will begin to guard your mind and your heart through Christ Jesus. And, and on top of that, the God of peace shall be with you. So not only do you get this supernatural peace, but you get God himself to be present with you. And, you know, I, I, I'm going to tell you the truth. It, it's not like it's just simply left like that. But there was a battle. You know, you'd be hard-pressed to find any character in the Scriptures 
who did not struggle against or battle against this thing that I'm calling the spirit of fear that tries to come upon a person and to grip their lives and to, and to actually bring torment into their lives. I believe with all my heart that God wants us to be free, that his vision for us, his, his will for us is that we live free from terror and free from fear. Here's a statement to put up on the screen if you would. God always intervenes in a crisis. Sometimes with a miracle, sometimes it's grace to go through, but we're never, ever alone. You know, after, after two years of studies, they said, you know what, it's, it's nothing. Just, 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 you know, just go in peace, you know. I said, bell figure, that's real cool, you know. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of love, power, and of a sound mind. What happens when it's somebody that you love and somebody that's more vulnerable? When one of my grandchildren, uh, which I had mentioned who it was, unnecessary, but one of my grandchildren, when he was just about a year old, and you, you know, when, when, when a baby is still, uh, even though it's a year old, uh, the, the, the top of the head, the fontanelle, is still, uh, is still soft, and uh, the skull is still kind of, you know, coming together and forming uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a proper way. And we began to notice that he had a ridge coming uh, down from, from his nose on up and, and across, across his, his skull. And, and that really, you know, kind of freaked us out. And so we said, you know, let's, let's, let's get this checked out. And, and we spoke to a surgeon. And, the, and the, the specialist in this field said, you know, uh, the problem is, is that his his skull is growing too fast, and it's and it's not growing, it's not, it's not adhering properly. And he told us, well, what the remedy was, and the remedy is really scary. And you know what? As a family, we made a decision. You know, again, to to, to look to the to the scriptures where David said, "I sought the Lord, and He heard me, and He delivered me from all my fears." And we began to, we began to tr- pray and trust, trust God, that, that God was going to come through. Now, it's one thing for me to go through surgery, but it's another thing to see a one-year-old. But we began to just trust God and quote the promises of God. And, you know, I'm happy to say that, that, that over the period of the next couple of months, that, that ridge just kind of disappeared. And, I mean, it's perfectly well today. God comes through. Sometimes, he, sometimes he, he comes through working wonders, and sometimes he gives us grace to go through. But in an every crisis, we're never alone. I want you to listen to God's vision for us and God's will for us from Psalm 112. What a great psalm this is. It really expresses God's heart for every, every single one of us this morning as followers of Christ. Now, if you're here tonight and you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm happy that you're here. I'm excited that you're here. And, and I just want, want to hope for you that you will discover just how awesome a relationship with Christ is and that you can have what others have. Psalm 112, let me begin. Just that first phrase, praise the Lord. You know, we, 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 we sometimes say it, we sometimes hear it, and we don't think much about it. But, but all it is is an expression of, of thanks. You know, Andrew said a little while ago that God dwells in, he literally inhabits 
the praises of his people. That is, he is enthroned in the praises of his people. That's why praise is such an important thing. And we read about praise in the Psalms and we're constantly being encouraged. And, you know, C.S. Lewis said, at first it kind of felt like, is God somehow, you know, insecure that he needs praise? But, but listen, we, we begin to praise what we love. And, and praise is the proper expression of what we love. Uh, I, I was telling somebody, I think it was this, this past week, uh, I was, it was about maybe 20 years ago, maybe 25 years ago, I was cutting my grass in my back uh, of the property. And, and my house backs Blydenburg Park. It is all forest behind, behind my house. And this kid comes running out of, out of the woods and he's yelling, Mr. and Mr., he says, can, you, can you help me? My friend hurt himself. So I, I went with the kid to, to where his friend was. They were riding dirt bikes and maybe about 30, 40 miles an hour, the kid slammed into a tree, broke his leg. I mean, I just, just, just saw this kid. It was, it, it, it was pitiful. I mean, he was in such pain. I picked him up, carried him from, from the, out of the woods into my car, placed him in my car, drove him to what was then St. John's Hospital, took him out of the car, brought him into the ER, you know, and, and, and obviously I left him with them. You, you know what? To this day, I'm waiting for somebody to come and ring my bell and say, hey, you remember me? Thanks. You know? I mean, thank you would have been nice, you know? But see, see that, that's what praise is. It's, it's our giving thanks to God for all that he's done for us. And so it says, blessed is the man who fears the Lord because when we fear the Lord, we won't, we'll never have to be afraid of men who finds great delight in his commands. His children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. The upright are those that have a relationship with Christ. We are upright not because of anything we've done. We're upright because of grace. We're upright because of the gift of righteousness that comes to us in this next verse. It says, wealth and riches are in his house and his righteousness endures forever. If anything is going to endure forever, it's going to be because it has the quality of divine life to it. And it's divine righteousness that's gifted to us when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And then I love verse six. It says, surely he will never be shaken. A righteous man will be remembered forever. He will have no fear of bad news. Listen, you're not going to be shaken when bad news comes, when, when the report comes, when, 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 when you open the letter and it's terrible news, you're not going to be shaken. His heart is steadfast. One translation says his heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is secure. He will have no fear. That's God's will. That's God's vision for us that we would have no fear, that we would be fearless, that all of us would be called broadzillers and, and guyzillers, you know, that, that, that when it comes to any of the things that other people might be afraid of, that we have no fear. God's vision for us. A few weeks ago, uh, I got a, a virus on my PC. Uh, now, I, I know, you know, don't be smart. You know, I know about Apple. I have an Apple. I have, I have an Apple and I have a Toshiba. And I don't like Windows, so get over it, you know? 
She uses the apple. I use the window. I like windows, right? And, and I know that they're vulnerable to virus. And so, so, so I get a virus planted on my computer by a company that now wants to sell me a program for a hundred bucks to remove the very virus they, they stuck on my PC. I refuse to fall into that scam. I said, no way that's going to happen. So I, I call up my, my firstborn, just like God the Father. Said, firstborn, I got a mission for you. <laughs> the world has been cursed. And you are going to remove the curse. I called up my, my, my firstborn, who's, who's a computer whiz. And I said, Anthony, I said, I, said, I got a virus. And you're going to take care of it, right? Okay. I dropped off the computer. He brings it back to me, clean and pure. Just like, just like God presents us before him, clean and pure. But I said, I, ain't nobody got time for this. <laughs> I said, I, said I, I need me some new software. I need me some, no, some new firewall protection, you know? So I don't, I don't care. I, I spend 100 bucks for, for that firewall protection. So I, so I, I got me some, some real good spyware, you know, malware and, and Trojanware and all that, all, that, all that good stuff, you know. And you know what? When I was, when I was working on this message, I, I had a screen alert that there was a Trojan on my computer. Shut down your computer immediately. Shut it down. Reboot it. It's not there no more. Listen. We're willing to, 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 to expend and we're willing to spend on, on stuff to protect ourselves, our houses, our cars, our PCs. How much more should we guard our hearts for out of it are the issues of life? And one of the, thing, one of the weapons, I'm telling you, one of the weapons that Satan wants to use to destroy your life is this thing, called fear, but God wants you to be set free. I have uh, permission from uh, Lisa and Adam. Uh, many of you probably know the Delernas. Uh, they, they've got this cute little girl named Sophia. She's, she was just two years old last week, you know, and uh, uh, she, uh, she, she, she she's with child. Uh, She's pregnant. They're pregnant. She's pregnant. He's with her, but you know what I'm saying. And uh, when she was 11 weeks, she had her first uh, doctor's appointment. And they, they gave her a sonogram. And uh, the tech said, you know, everything look, 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 looks okay. You know, it looks fine. But the next day, she got a call from the doctor. And the doctor said, you've got to come back to the office right away. And of course, that, you know, starts to kind of freak you out. Is there anything wrong? And he showed, he showed her in the sonogram, and he, and he showed her that there was a, a genetic disorder from, from the back of the baby's spine all the way down its back. He pointed out that there is a cystic kind of a, mentioned the medical term for it, uh, but that she needed to see a specialist. You know, it's, it's at moments like that, I... I, I, I've been there, done that, where, where somebody is talking to you and then all of a sudden when they give you that kind of a prognosis, it's like, it's like 
your mind does two things at once. Um, it freezes and it, and, it's, and it begins to fly at 100 miles an hour as the thoughts begin to... Fly. And you're not really hearing what the person is saying. And, and, and she finally said, I, I need to see a specialist. And uh, the thing I love about their story together as a couple was, uh, was I found out the, the day that Dave and, and Pamela got married uh, they were at the wedding. They were smiling. I mean, from all outward observations, you, you could not tell that there was anything concerning them. Anything was, was going on in their life of a serious nature like this. And, and into, into the, the wedding, a couple of hours into the wedding, you know, Lisa was, was able to share with me, Pastor, I'm, I'm going to have a baby. I'm pregnant. But then she said, you know, but there's something the doctors say are wrong, is wrong with the baby and I need to see a specialist. Now, I was in the midst, it was about my third week into the midst of preaching a series on hope restored. So I'm full of hope, right? I said to her, I said to Lisa, I said, God is the God of all hope. I said, you know what? We're just going to pray and we're going to have faith and we're going to believe God. It's going to be all right. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know this. It's going to be all right because I know this about God, that God intervenes in a crisis Sometimes he does wonders and sometimes he just gives us grace to get through. And I said, I said, look, I know the message the Lord laid on my heart. And, I, and at that moment, I felt it was just for you two guys. You know, I said, tomorrow, Sunday, I said, I'm going to preach this message. I said, I want you to hear it. And then I, I want you to come up and I want to pray at the end of the service. And that's what we did. And then, and then for the next couple of weeks, before they had their appointment and before they got the news. And the doctor took more pictures and more sonograms and, 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 and looked at the pictures that were first taken and saw, and saw what, what, what Lisa was pointed out and what she saw and saw, saw the new sonogram pictures. And the doctor said, this baby's fine. This, there, there's no abnormality. Now, whether or not God did a wonder or whether or not the doctor got it wrong, I don't know. That's not for me to say. You could ask Lisa and, and Adam. Think they have an opinion, but, but I know that God is, is good, that God can be counted on. You know, sometimes God works wonders. I, I heard about this guy in Ohio, 37 years old. Maybe you've heard about him on the news just a couple of days ago. They brought him to the ER and they pronounced him dead, no vital signs. For 45 minutes, this guy was dead, but his pastor was there and his son was there and they were praying and his son yelled at his father, said, Dad, you're not going to die today. And in a few minutes, there was a faint heartbeat. And over the next, over the next couple of hours, that heartbeat got stronger and stronger to the point where the guy's totally fine. Could you explain that? No, you can't explain that. Because sometimes God works his wonders. Yes, yeah, sometimes doctors get it wrong, but sometimes God works his wonders and sometimes God just gives us grace to get through. I love this quote from John Piper. He says, the presence of hope in the invincible sovereignty of God drives out fear. The presence of hope but hope in what? Not just hope for hope's sake, but hope in the sovereignty of God. 
See, I believe in the sovereignty of God. That is one of the most comforting doctrines or teachings in the word of God. And I, I live by that. I believe that. I believe that every raindrop is ordered by God. Every footstep that we take is ordered by God. Even, even sometimes the wrong footsteps that we take, God is in control of. He's, he's in control of the dust particles that are in this room that are landing on your head that you have no, no plans about. He's numbered the hands in our head. Sometimes he subtracts them. We don't have to tell Doug about that either. <laughs> but this is the God who loves us with an unconditional love. And it's because of his sovereignty and because of his amazing love. L -l Listen, there was, there was a guy by the name of John who laid his head on the chest of Jesus. He heard the heartbeat of the God-man Christ Jesus in a way that maybe someday we will. But he wrote this about fear. Listen to what he said. He said, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear involves torment. There is no fear in love, perfect love. Perfect love. The only one that I know who is capable of perfectly loving me is God himself who loves me with an unconditional love and loves you with an unconditional love. And the knowledge of that love and the exhortation in the word of God to keep us in the love of God, that means to guard like a firewall, to protect yourself in the love of God. And when you do that, then that love of God will protect you. It will drive out fear. And what I want you to know today is that he loves you with an everlasting love. And therefore, because of that, you don't have to be afraid. There's another amazing story. I, what caught my interest in this, in this girl from Florida, she's about 22 years old, um, she was stabbed 32 times, 32 times by her ex-boyfriend, but she survived. But what piqued my interest was the following headline. It was this. It was, woman stabbed 32 times by ex, finds love in first responder who saved her. She finds love in the first responder who saved her. That is this firefighter slash paramedic who did these extraordinary things to, to save her life in a medical way. They've become a couple. They've, become, they've, they've developed a relationship out of this horrible experience. In fact, the two of them together walked into the courtroom where her ex pleaded guilty for attempted murder. She said, and I quote, she said, I'll never forget the look in his, in his face. He had murder in his eyes. Evil was in his eyes. But you know, that's not unlike our story. That the one that Jesus said was a murderer and a liar from the beginning who, who's come but for to steal, kill, and to destroy he has devastated, brutalized the human race. But our, our first responder, the only one who could ever save us, the only one who could ever rescue us from the powers of darkness. Like that woman, we who love him, love him because he first loved us. We have come to fall in love 
with our first responder. Amazing is the grace of God. How costly is our freedom. How infinitely expensive the life of Jesus poured out for us. The guy who wrote uh, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound That Saved the Rest, he, he, listen, listen to what he wrote. He said, if the Lord be with us, we have no cause for fear. His eye is upon us, his arm is over us, his ear open to our prayer, his grace sufficient, his promise unchangeable. That's the reason why we don't have to be afraid. What I want you to walk away with tonight is understanding this, that the perfect love of Christ drives out fear. So if you're here tonight and you've been oppressed, you've been vexed, you've been terrorized by the, by the terror that stalks by night, you don't have to be afraid. You put up the firewall of what I'm telling you tonight is the best protection of all, the love of God that will drive out fear. Because he loves us with, a, with an everlasting love, an unconditional love that we can rest in. So let's kind of just recap this message tonight. Freedom is our inheritance in Christ. It's our birthright. If you are in Christ, then you are free, free indeed. And that's the will of God, the vision of God for your life. Psalm 112, read it tonight, tomorrow, this week. Meditate in it. Let that word become part of your vocabulary, a part of your very life itself. The Spirit of God and the Word of God together are such a vital, important part of our walking in this freedom, this newness of life. And sometimes God works wonders and sometimes God just gives us grace to go through, but never, never are we alone. His love never fails. And that's the reason why we don't have to be afraid. Let's pray. Father, thank you tonight for the precious word of God by which we are encouraged, by which we have life. Your, your, your word says that it is life to those that find it and it's health unto all of our flesh. So tonight, Lord, as we come before you at the close of this message, I, I pray for the help that we can boldly say, the Lord is my help. I will not, I will not be afraid that, that that will become our testimony. And if there's anyone here tonight that is not in a relationship, I hope tonight that you're opening hearts and, and that you're, you're showing how amazing a relationship with Jesus Christ can be. And that you tonight can have a relationship with Christ by, by, by a simple transaction Call it prayer. Call it, call it just an opening up your heart, just saying, Jesus, come into my life. I, I receive you as Lord and Savior. Thank you for, for dying for me, for, for being raised again to life for me. I want a relationship with you. It's not magic words. It's, it's faith that reaches out to the one who's reaching out toward you. And so, Father, tonight, I, I just pray that in the close of this service, that hearts will be encouraged and hearts will receive courage so that no matter what we face, we can face it fearlessly because of the love of Christ. Amen? Amen.